there's the where elephant in the room that we all need to talk about. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Spooky Sparks edition of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. This is year five of Spooky Spokes and uh, the last year of Spooky Spokes, but it's been a hell of a run. We've had some really good uh, stories over the past uh, five years. And on this episode, we have a very special guest and then some spooky spokes to get you in the mood for probably not trick-or-treating, probably sitting around and drinking beer with your friends tonight. Now, uh, I'm releasing this. It's not quite dark here on the West Coast, but I realize it's probably almost bedtime on the East Coast. Hopefully you're kicking it at some uh, a, a party if you're doing that right now. And if you're not, hopefully you're chilling at home watching Hocus Pocus or some other scary movie. Tonight is the night between... between uh, uh, October 31st and December 31st is the time for scary movies, folks. Look it up. It's, uh, yes, time for darkness. The world goes into darkness, emerging hopefully in 2021 without any of this BS we've, we've had this year. But with that, let's get into some crummy intro music, and uh, we'll come back, and I'll tell you a little bit about this year's Spooky Spooks. <laughs> Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that's like riding through the rain in wool pants and only wool pants. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more information, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. We don't know why they support us, but you should. Now, to your regularly scheduled show, and don't turn it off this time. Don't just stop. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody, to Sparkle Sparks number five. As I said before, this is going to be the fifth and final edition of Spooky Spokes. We've had some great times over the past five years, some great stories, and I think it's about time to pull the trigger uh, or, I don't know, what do you do when the story's done? You burn it? <laughs> it's time to tell people to shut up and quit talking about No, I don't know what you do when it, when a when a story is done or when a book's over. I guess this isn't a book or any of that jazz. Let's see. What do you do when a show segment's over? You quit doing it. Uh so anyways, yeah, tonight on uh the show we have a very very special guest uh and it's not you Tobor. Tobor, um by the way, I uh I wanted to ask you I know. I, I, I did. We did, we got some uh, upgrades for Tobor, so his his uh, voice uh, pack is is a lot better. We're going to be doing some stuff from now until the end of the year, uh, doing some revamps to make twenty twenty one better. Hell, we could make a podcast about frying pizza, and it would be better uh, than twenty twenty, right? Uh, so Tobor, um, do you have anything to say? Do you have any stories for tonight, or do you have anything? How do you how are you feeling about tonight? I don't have anything but wet pants because I'm so scared. Oh, well, I almost like to hear that. <laughs> so, um, anyways, so yeah, so this this week we're gonna we have a guest. Um, we should get to that right away, uh, and then we are gonna get into the spooky spokes, and then you guys should go do whatever you do for 
thanks or not Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving too, um, for Halloween or All Hallows Eve or Samhain or uh, uh, what's it called Dios de los Muertos. Uh, you know the uh, any tradition that you have, whatever you do, and actually maybe that'd be kind of cool next year if you do something. Uh, if you have a different tradition um, for this time of year. Uh, phone us, write us, let us know what it is. And, um, yeah, pretty fun. So yeah, on tonight's episode, let's just cut the crap. Tobor, what do you say? What do you want? You want to just cut the crap? I mean, you, you cool with cutting the crap? Yeah. All right. You're, you're, you're not all about the crap. So anyway, let's cut the crap. Let's get into tonight's episode and then, um, yeah, close it out. Everybody, I hope you're having a good time. It's Halloween, baby. everybody returning to us once again uh you heard from her last year and uh, she's done another amazing job this year uh with us on the show we have miranda from ghost biker explorations miranda how you doing i'm doing great junkie how are you i am doing fabulous and i have to say um i was pretty excited i you know every year well now now i've gone back and watched all your seasons you are um you host a show on YouTube and Facebook. Um, I should probably let you you tell us about it. Um, but basically, this is this is your time of the year. You know, this is your time to shine, and this is your show's time to shine. So I'm going to let you take the reins. Tell us um, what's you know what's the name of your show, and tell us like what it's all about for people that may have not uh, tuned in last year. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Miranda Young, and I'm better known as the Ghost Biker. I have a web series known as Ghost Biker Explorations, and I travel around the country to different haunted and historic locations, and I highlight them on my web series. I'm traveling on my 883 Harley Davidson, and uh, you know we're we're highlighting the travel as well as uh, the the paranormal. And we are just wrapping up uh, season three. We've got one more episode left. And uh, those episodes aired during the month of October, every night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on on uh, the Ghost Biker Facebook page as well as YouTube channel. Yeah. And so the amazing thing is that, yes, yeah, since it's available um, on, on either platform, I tend to watch it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And... As your channel states, you know, wear headphones for the best experience. So if you don't have headphones, if you're watching it on TV, most TVs have YouTube now uh, on Mm -hmm. them, uh, get that surround sound kicking because, yeah, the sound effects, uh, the ambiance of the locations where you're at is just phenomenal. I almost said phenomenal. That ain't a (laughs) word yet. Um, But yeah, you bring us into the experience with you and it's super fun. It's, It's something that I think a lot of people think about. And like mm-hmm. I said, this time of year is definitely your time to shine because, hey, it's it's spooky season, right? That's and right, yeah. So, but I believe that you do this, do you, well, you, you kind of do this all year round, correct? You've got a lot of stuff going on uh, over the summer and into the fall before this even happens. 
Yes, I do. So the way Ghost Biker was set up is I actually set it up sort of the way a TV series would do, but highlighting it on the web. You know, I keep the episodes short, anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. Since it is a web series, I don't want it to be something extremely overwhelming, but I want to make sure that I cover that travel and a little bit um, of the facts on the location, or I mean the town that I'm going to, and then the history of the location, and then the paranormal investigation. So I keep the episode short, and I'm filming year-round because, you know, being a paranormal investigator, every month is is spooky season for me. But the big <laughs> right. grand finale is October. And so I wanted to have all of these filmed and set up to release during the month of October. But I'm finding that uh, there's there's been so much interest over the past two years that I've been setting up different things such as motorcycle rides and different events at meet and greets and such at different places like uh, Harley Davidson's around the country and, uh, you know, different, you know, biker bars and different meetups, that sort of thing. So it's definitely something that's been going year round and uh, is for sure leading up into this um, uh, third year or fourth season. Um it's definitely something that we're going to be, there's going to be more episodes and such releasing throughout uh, the remainder of the year, more like biker vlogs and such. Right. Well, and this year was an interesting year, partially because of COVID. Now I, I know that had to have changed some things uh, for you. And um, before I get to that, even in the off season, let's say you had an off season, I noticed mm-hmm. that you, um, well, you're, you're quite welcome here, not only because uh, we do spooky spokes every October, but also you're a very creative writer. You, your artwork was, you know, phenomenal. The stuff that you've been um, featuring over, I guess it was like almost the whole summer you were, you were doing yes. commissions and putting out pieces for people. Some of it scary. I won't, I won't, uh, I'm not afraid to say it. I hate clowns. So you did a really, <laughs> a couple of it drawings that just, uh, you know, a little freaky, but you also usually draw the places that you visit. You've also drawn some just, you know, landscapes, um, did some family work commissions. You're a great artist out off the bike and, uh, and out of paranormal research. Where does that come from? Well, you know, that's one of those things that's been really awesome about this is to be able to combine all of those passions, you know, everything from my photography, my artwork and motorcycle riding to also the paranormal. So I've tried to create something kind of different and unique. So when I visit these different locations, whether they be haunted or historic, I always draw the different location. You know, some of them have been, you know, a historic general store. Others have been a haunted dam or a haunted mill village. So I always draw those. And then through those drawings, I've actually started getting a lot of different commissions to draw people's motorcycles. Um, And then that's led to drawing portraits. And so that takes me to what you had mentioned about the it drawings. Uh, I've been working on a slasher series. And um, I'm hoping by the first part of next year, I'll have all of the classic slasher drawings uh, completed. Um, right. But I, I think I think I did. You saw, you drew Michael. I uh, think from I uh, Halloween. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Michael and it and um, Billy the puppet from Saw. Got right. you know Jason and Freddy and uh, you know just all these these classic uh, folks that we drew, we grew up with. You know on the big screen. 
Um, but that's actually how I fund my web series is through the sale of the prints of these different haunted historic locations or, um, uh, you know, portraits, that sort of thing. I use the money because, you know, I never charge for paranormal investigations and my, um, web series and everything is free. So that's how I actually fund it is through the sale of either my photography or those drawings. Right. Um, and speaking of the dams and the mills and things like that, mm-hmm. you go to some pretty sweet locations and you film some of the ride, uh, on the show. Um, other times on that channel, you do really like, I, I got to watch you redo your bathroom this year mm-hmm. and redo, <laughs> you know what I mean? There was a whole bunch of fun stuff that you put on there. So yeah. So this year I was due to COVID. I wasn't a hundred percent sure you were going to be able to uh, explore the places that you, you know, you're normally at and that you're normally drawing, but it almost seemed like you got better access this year because of COVID and because there wasn't a lot of people at some of these places, you, they were, they seemed like it was more private or they gave you the run of the mill or the run of the facility because you're just by yourself and they have nobody else to entertain. Is that, was that the case? That's absolutely true. And, uh, I, I was the same way. I was really concerned at the first part of the year as to whether there would even be a season three. And the good thing is every time I go and investigate, I always film and I film as though it could be an uh, an episode. And so, um, you know, I had a couple that were left over from last year that I thought if, if I have to, that's what I'll release and it will end up maybe possibly being a different kind of season but we covered the Grand Old Lady Hotel, which is in North Carolina. And this location, um, you know, they have an on and off season. They're typically closed in the wintertime, typically from around um, the end of November through early February, maybe first part of March. So they have an off season because they keep their hotel very authentic to the way it was back in the early 1900s. But their season was actually extended due to COVID and uh, uh, the lockdowns around the country. So I was able to get in there. Um, again, they they welcomed it because, um, you know, it was bringing awareness to their location. And actually, they were they were, you know, they typically don't allow people in to investigate when they're when they're open. Um, but, or you have to be very limited with where you can investigate. And it was the same way with, um, several other locations that I visited people, they, their schedules were open and, um, they, you know, were kind of welcoming the whole, you know, Hey, don't forget about us. We're still here. And so it actually caused a, I feel a a better season, uh, because, you know, it was it was slightly different. But uh, one of the episodes that I covered was actually a roadside memorial for one of the worst uh, troop train accidents here right. in the United States. And, you know, it was something that was different. Uh, we recorded during the day. Um, and I, I probably wouldn't have even gone to that location because I would have had several others that I had, you know, traveled to. Um you know, so it, it really created a lot of unique opportunities, and and I feel one of my best seasons. Yeah, and I was going to say I don't rem- remember a hundred percent if we talked about this on air uh, last time or or off air. I know we definitely brought it up though, and that is the fact that hauntings occur 
just because it's Halloween and, and this is the spooky season doesn't necessarily mean that hauntings aren't happening. Hauntings occur year round, daylight or nighttime. And I, that was actually uh, a really refreshing um, episode for me because I love seeing you go down there. I love seeing you out there um, just trying to get, make stuff happen during the daytime. Mm-hmm. And you actually got some, you know, like call and response type of things happening there. And I mean, I would have hated to walk down there at night personally like that. Yes. I'm sure there was ticks and chiggers and snakes and all sorts of great stuff down there, uh, even in the daytime, but at nighttime, <laughs> I could only imagine, you know? And yes. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't have wanted to go down, down there at nighttime. So it was just kind of cool. It seems like something you would have to have done during the day anyways, but the fact that you did it, um, kind of plays to that, you know, not everything has to be at nighttime. Not everything has to be spooky at just because mm-hmm. it's dark. Um, I don't know. I really like that episode and it was a great historical, uh, you know, I had never heard of that of all the tragedies we hear of in the U- U.S. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of that one before. So that is another yeah. thing you've op- you opened my eyes to a little piece of history. I'd never would have known, known of had, uh, had you not gone there. Well, well, thank you for saying that because that's, that's actually probably one of my, all-time favorite episodes because it is such an interesting history. And I was I was doing a bike ride over the summer and I just happened to see this little sign. I mean, the sign's probably no bigger than a little eight by eight sign on this pole that you drive by on this mountain road at probably a pretty high rate of speed, you know? And so um, you there's there's just not a lot of information about it there on the road for such a great tragedy, um, you know. And so, so I, I did some research and and found that um, there was there was a monument down at the water, but because that the Boy Scouts had actually put up, and um, you couldn't see this monument because the trees were so tall. And since it's, it's actually washed off the rock. That's why we kind of had a slightly different, difficult time finding the location, but there was no shoulder on this road either. So I had to go down probably maybe um, a quarter of a mile from where the sign was, find a tiny shoulder and then hike down the side of this road. And <laughs> right. <laughs> these mountain roads, you know, there's there's trash thrown off yeah. and all this stuff. And I really had to go through some things to get down there. And, um, you know, my thought was, once I started researching, man, there's just so much information on this, this tragedy. And I thought, you know, if nothing else, it will be wonderful to bring, you know, bring this out, let people know that either haven't ever heard of it or maybe have forgotten about it. And I thought it's going to be, it's going to have its own challenges going down there during the daytime. And I'm going to have to use some different types of equipment because I rely a lot on my recorders to capture EVPs or disembodied voices even. And I knew that being down there with the road above and in the middle of the water, it was going to be hard to get something other than, um, you know, the, the voices and that sort of thing. Um, so I had that challenge. We also had the filming challenge because we were filming on this rock. There was probably about maybe 10 feet of space that myself (laughs) and my camera person was standing on. And then, you know, 
I really wanted to show that hauntings don't happen at night. You know, I get the question a lot, why do you investigate at night? And my answer to that is I, I don't always investigate at night. I like to investigate all the time and things are always happening around us more than what people realize. The problem is a lot of people, they either don't have the time or they won't take the time to sit and really listen and pay attention. And yeah. so I really wanted to, to show that and see if I could get some different types of activity other than just your traditional activity that's maybe covered on some of these creepier shows. Um, so that was, um, I'm glad it came across that way because that's definitely uh, something that I wanted to put out there and, and is one of my favorites. Right. And I definitely, I believe we talked about that last year. Mm -hmm. um, you and I, yeah, you know, it doesn't always have to be creepy to be haunted, mm -hmm. right? And, and exactly. sometimes even some of the most uh, haunted stuff that you had investigated last year, you would go back different times and have different experiences. Sometimes mm -hmm. super, super active, same house a couple weeks later, nothing, mm -hmm. you know? So it it's it's all super interesting to me as to what what appears to work and and what doesn't and I like that you were down there uh, during the day trying to get stuff and also another thing to point out uh, at the beginning of your show you say you're a historian and an investigator you bring a lot of history to these episodes um, yes you know what I mean so that's if you don't if there's no action there just learning about these little crazy forgotten. Mm -hmm. basically ghost towns is, uh, I love that stuff. So, yeah. And that uh, was my goal when I went into this one was I thought, you know, it, it was kind of scary because, you know, you just never know what you're going to get. And, and being a person that, you know, you spend all this time researching the locations you're going to and, and researching the route that you're going to ride to and such, um, getting everything ready to film, you know, you've got this, this interesting story and, obviously as an investigator, I want to get activity. I want to have that communication and interaction, but it doesn't always happen. So when I went down there, I thought, okay, this is taking a, a pretty big gamble because, um, it may be nothing but crickets and water noise here. And, you know, the only thing I get might be a couple, you know, mosquito bites, but, yeah. <laughs> um, I really got, you know, I felt with some phenomenal, activity. And my thought was, even if I get nothing else, I'm going to show this and tell the story and then also show a different way of investigating. I was just very fortunate that we did actually get some really cool activity. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and on two occasions, because I went on two separate occasions down there and I felt like I really didn't get anything on that second trip down uh, at least not anything too significant. But what I, what I do feel is when you go to these places and you don't get anything, I feel it really validates the times that you do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and just like, uh, uh, CB radio, like sometimes mm -hmm. you'll get loads of static and nothing and other mm -hmm. times you'll get some meaningful conversations. So I, I think what you're doing is basically, you know, you have all these crazy tools. And I noticed you've upped your inventory as well from last season. You got a bunch of more crazy cool gadgets. Um, but yeah, you're like, you're, you're, you're throwing out a, 
uh, CB line to the to the um, departed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed you're packing heat in a couple of the videos too. I got to ask, what are you carrying? And obviously, it's not for the dead folks, so that must be for <laughs> the for the live folks, right? <laughs> it is. You know, I often say that I'm more scared of the living than the dead because you know, <laughs> right. some of these different locations we go to, and then being on the bike too, going to these locations. I'm more scared of the traffic that I encounter than uh, typically what I encounter there. Um, you know, so first of all, I'm carrying a uh, 38 Special Ruger um, revolver. Love it. Um, and you know, a lot of the places that I visit, and of course, I'm all I've always at least have one, you know, gun on me, depending yeah. on where I'm at. But I'm I'm someone that's very um, conscious of the, what state I'm in and what their rules are. Oh, right. Um, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. 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 So if it's somewhere that, that I'm able to carry, I always do because a lot of these different places that we visit, they are in not so great areas. And then also being that typically I'm alone or when with one other person, um, I've, you know, you've got to take that spiritual protection as where as well as physical protection into account. Right. But an interesting fact on a couple different episodes that uh, are going to come out really soon. I don't know if they're going to come out next season or if I'm going to release them kind of early next year. Uh, I was actually able to use my gun as a trigger item. No, no pun intended. But, no kidding. Uh, several different locations. Yeah, one in particular was uh, Old Gilcrest County Jail in Florida. And it is definitely in a not good area. The lady who <laughs> wait a lady, minute, you're telling you're telling me a jail is in a not good area. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, the lady who owns it, uh, she made the comment when I went in, I did this investigation as a collaboration with Soul Sisters Paranormal. And um, when I went in there, she actually asked us if we carried. And we were like, yes. And, and she goes, well, good, because you, you want to keep your gun on you at all times. And one thing I noticed when we were in there, it was a half daylight, half dark investigation because they actually let us start investigating early because they wanted us to be out before it got too late. Gotcha. And I think we were there until about maybe one in the morning. And at, in the very beginning, there wasn't a whole lot of activity. Things just seemed rather standoffish. And I started wondering if it was because maybe they knew that I had one of my, you know, had a gun on me. And so I made, um, I said to the girl I was investigating with, I said, Hey, what if we put our guns in here in this other area and see what happens? And so we we filmed taking the guns off and I made the comment. I said, see, I, I'm not a police officer. I'm putting, uh, putting my gun down nice and easy. And instantly we got this disembodied voice that said, good, thank you. Crazy. And the activity totally changed. And then another episode that is going to come out while I was in Florida filming uh, I did the Ma Barker house and that uh, it's, it's a home that was um, um, the site of the, uh, I believe the longest FBI shootout with the Ma Barker gang. And Crazy. so, 
I went in and I had some money and I had my gun and I actually used the gun as a trigger item and got some crazy communication crazy. By, by using that money and that gun. So, um, so it's actually kind of worked out, not just as physical protection, but also as a, uh, a part of the investigation, which leads me to believe that some of these spirits that we encounter can actually see and are aware and intelligent um, as far as responding to us during the investigation. Some of the right. activity obviously is residual, but a lot of it when it comes to this is actually intelligent. Right. And I've noticed that before you and uh, the soul sisters have used your sexuality also as a trigger item, because like you're saying, mm -hmm. you go into a prison, like a male prison mm -hmm. and you're a female, boom, mm -hmm. that's like, uh, lure going through a, you know, a school of bass or something, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, it's really, I noticed that you guys have used that or, mm -hmm. you know, are you intimidated that I'm a woman? You'll ask them a, uh, a lot of things and you'll get a lot of feedback and response. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that, especially if you're reaching spirits, depending on what time period from, mm -hmm. yeah, being, being an armed lady is crazy, you know? <laughs> it is, so. you know, just, uh, just this past episode that we released during, um, this, this past week with, uh, Henry River Mill Village, uh, one of the areas we were in was the top of the company store in this mill village. And, it was said that, you know, women didn't go up there and that was where after hours, the men would meet up and they would go, they would go play poker and they would drink. They had like a little speakeasy set up up there. Gotcha. And so it was one of those, it was really interesting because some of the interaction that we received there, I believe was the fact that we were two women. I mean, we even had cards out and we were trying to play cards to, you know, get some type of reaction. And I believe it was the fact that we were two women in an area we weren't quite supposed to be in. And right. I think that upset some of the spirits, but it is something definitely in a prison. Um, depending on the location we go to, I have found that some of the interaction is definitely different um, with, you know, when it comes to gender and then also if they know, you know, I've investigated with police officers before and going into some of these prisons, you get a totally different response when a police officer sort of starts, I guess, acting in character of a traditional police officer. Right. Um, it, they know. And it's crazy some of the different reactions and conversation that you can can have when, you know, you, you start using sort of yourself as a trigger item. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I didn't get to get through the whole, um, the mill, uh, mm -hmm. mill County. No, what was it? It was mill. I forget what the name of it was now. Um, uh, Henry river mill village, Henry river mill village. Right. And, and, and the history of that, I got, you know, into the part where the fact that it was basically started out as an industry that begat its own town. Right. And so I could yes. imagine that the, you know, blood ran pretty thick there and any scandals mm -hmm. ran pretty thick there as well, stayed within that little community. But also the fact that I believe, didn't you say that some of the original resident families were there until the 2000s? I mean, this is a really an old mm -hmm. ghost town that had residents up until recently. Um, what have you found like when you go to places that are 
maybe even still dying, you know, so to speak, um, are they way different than the older, way older ones? And, and obviously like the, the train crash site that happened one time, um, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And so those memories are kind of embedded there at that, at that time. Mm-hmm. But have you found that other things, um, depending on how, how long and how active the community was that you get different readings, you know, or that, or mm-hmm. you do target different, um, times. Like I know you were at one house last season where you were targeting a monk from a very mm-hmm. specific time period. Mm-hmm. But when you go to these places, do you just in general, just want to get a feel for who might be there from whatever era? Yeah. And, and the, you know, and there's always a variety depending on where I go. That's why with a lot of these different locations, a lot of time and a lot of research goes into just before I even go to visit the location. Um, you know, like you said, the monk, that took place back around eight between 1865 and 1869. The mm-hmm. mill village came into existence. It started in 1900 and the mill was in operation until 1977, but then mm-hmm. some of the residents still stayed there. So there is definitely a variety. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's related to the land. Sometimes it's related to a specific tragic event, like the train mm-hmm. wreck that happened in 1944. Um, you know, what's interesting about this village is they're actually remodeling these homes. And oh, so, you're kidding me. Oh, my gosh. No, is, it, it's, is it because, did it get popular from, um, well, I don't want to spoil the episode, but did it, did it get popular again because of recent usage of the town? Well, you know, it had set, ab- set abandoned and was repurchased a few years ago. Um, and like I said, from what I understood, I think the last person moved out um, in the early 2000s. And, you know, the people who are owning it, um, the Henry River Mill Preservation Fund, they're working to create it, turn it more into a um uh, a tourist destination. And it was gotcha. actually featured on the first Hunger Games movie. Right. Um, right. They filmed District 12 there. So there was a little bit of remodeling, rather more so structurally for that. But, um, you know, just over time, I think the goal is that right now they're remodeling one, but they're going to do more remodeling. And what is uh, what's interesting about that is um, my plan is to go back either at the end of this year or in the beginning of 2021 and investigate the location that they've remodeled and see if it's changed because it is a historic location. I think they have to keep about 80% of the homes that they remodel in. Um, they have to keep it as uh, accurate as possible up to 80% or I mean of the original. Um, like each structure. Sort of yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so it's going to be interesting because people are going to be able to stay there. And so it's going to be interesting to see, because a lot of the time, the experience that I've found, you know, Brushy Mountain State Prison was one of them that when I investigated it, it was totally abandoned. And I investigated it six times. By the time I went on my last visit, it was a total tourist destination with a functioning restaurant. They were um, they have a moonshine distillery in there, and then they do tours of the prison. So it's always interesting to see how the activity changes with a remodel and with a total reconstruction because 
sometimes they like it and sometimes they don't. And a lot of the time you can get those type of reactions. And sometimes it also changes the activity, especially if it's a more of a residual rather than intelligent haunting. I've noticed that that will change. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, but it really, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's really all over the map and, right. uh, you know, and, and so when I go, I always try to tailor the types of tools that I use and the types of questions that I have based on, you know, that specific era. And sometimes we'll totally find with the, the village, you know, you have, you have almost a hundred years, not quite, but almost a hundred years of life. And then each of those different homes has their own story of the families that lived inside of them. So um, hauntings like that are really interesting to me because you could, you could go every day for a year investigating just one of the homes and just, you know, be able to write a book and fill up an entire series of what you would get just in one home, let alone the, you know, 23 homes that are still standing. Yeah. Um, now this is your third season doing this. Um, and you, you have explored not, I mean, I, you've explored all over. I mean, you've driven, you've ridden your mm-hmm. motorcycle to places, you've driven your Jeep to places. Um, you've, you've kind of co, uh, investigated with other teams now. Um, you, you mentioned the soul sisters a lot and that's one mm-hmm. that you have partnered with a few times. Um, now that your repertoire is expanding, uh, is there any place that's still your favorite or, or a new favorite that you have got after now adding all these new locations or having been to different sites? Is there one that still stands out or has become uh, your, one of your favorite because of either uh, the location is kind of gives you a good feeling while you're there or just because it's fun or you got a lot of activity or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been investigating, you know, Ghost Biker's been around for three seasons now, so three years. And I've been investigating for, for 10 years, um, you know, with with a team uh, before I left them to, you know, join go- or do Ghost Biker. Um, I would have to say through all of my travels and everything after just get about to wrap up season three, I'd have to say that the grand old lady in Balsam, North Carolina, is one of my absolute new favorites. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of a sleeper for me because um, I had heard of a couple teams. It's not overly investigated. It's, it's an old place, but it's kind of new on the paranormal scene. And I had talked to a couple different teams and watched some of their evidence that they had pulled out of there, and I thought, you know this is definitely somewhere that I want to check out because not only is it beautiful and has such a really cool story, but again, it's kind of like the, the mill village, um, you know, with, with the hotel, there's all these different rooms that have activity and they have a home team that comes in and investigates on the regular occasion. And, this hotel really embraces its spiritual activity. They, as soon as they start getting activity in a room, they put a welcome sign over the door. And so when you go into the hotel, any room that has a welcome sign means that it has activity. So I thought that was just really cool that they did that. 
And, you know, there was just so much activity that night. Um, I was, I was there, ended up being there for two nights. I was just supposed to be there one night. I was investigating it one night and soul sisters paranormal was investigating the next. So I investigated it by myself the first night and being in a closed hotel alone is, is creepy in and of itself because it's literally on top of this mountain. And there's maybe, I think from what I had read on the census report, maybe 48 people that lived in the entire town and it's right in the middle of the mountains. So that was pretty creepy in and of itself, but soul sisters invited me to do some experiments with them on the second night. So I went back, did that. And I mean, the activity was just nonstop. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the cool things at the very beginning on my ovilus, uh, the ovilus has a word bank in it and the spirits manipulate that word bank to spit out words. You know, it's not an app, so it doesn't use a microphone or it doesn't use your GPS. Um, it is an actual standalone tool. And one of the first things that I got on the ovilus was the word quarantine, which I thought was just very interesting. Whoa, the fact yeah. that we were in quarantine still. And because um, it was in May that I had filmed right. it. So things were just kind of, things were kind of wonky, you know, at that time of year. So um, it was some, some very interesting activity. And I think that Soul Sisters is about to release their episode on it. And um, we got some cool things that second night. That's that's probably definitely one of my new favorites. And I can't wait to go back there and check them out, see yeah. what, what's changed. That's cool. I really like that episode too. And again, the history behind that town and mm-hmm. what, what it used to be. Um, reminds me, to tie this into motorbiking, obviously mm-hmm. you do this on your motorcycle, but just like a lot of the stuff on Route 66, which people love to take yes. motorcycle and car trips on, a lot of these things existed because of railroads. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a lot of places that used to rely on Route 66 are also now ghost towns and abandoned because mm-hmm. of infrastructure improvements. So in, in that case, the Grand Old Lady was, um, sounds more or less like a railway stop. Yes. And out here actually in Southern California, we have quite a history of these. I forget the name. I will try to remember it. Um, but it's this chain of, of companies that used to have like they called them, I don't know, they called them roadhouses or something, but they were along the cha- the train line and they featured like a little hotel and a restaurant because back then there were no air, there was no airline industry. You either mm-hmm. drove or you took the train. And so they set up these little stops for people that were commuting so that you could have overnighters or mm-hmm. a long layover or rest. Uh, you would rest at these things that had like, you know, a, a dorm. And there's still one out here in SoCal. Um, but same sort of thing. The areas around these uh, rail stops are pretty much abandoned now. And that's mm-hmm. how this whole area. So I don't know, just the history, the places. I I, I love that episode too. And I, and I have to say, I really liked uh, that one. And I have to go back a couple of seasons to the Sun House, I believe it was. That yes. was still one of my favorite ones, actually. Uh, yes. The stuff you got from there was pretty crazy. That um, Yeah, that house was unlike anything other. And, and it was a residential. So Um, you know, just the more I dug into it, the more layers we found that this house had, and it really did. It took up episodes in both seasons one and season two. Mm -hmm. And 
the cool part was that we were able to actually get a conclusion with it, um, which is something that I'm able to do with, or at least more likely to do with residential type cases rather than um, some of these larger scale uh, commercial type locations. But you're, you're exactly right about that, that being a stop on that train line. And at one time, I believe just in that area of North Carolina alone, there were four or five of those different hotels like that, that were stops that people would take, you know, and they would vacation at for a couple of weeks. And this is the only one that's still left standing. Uh, But other than if, unless you're a hiker, there's really not a whole lot. Um, It's, it's wonderful for motorcyclists because I took the old copper road in and Mm -hmm. the ride in was just, it was just so beautiful, yeah. but there are some amazing riding roads there in Western North Carolina that are in really close distance to this hotel that you could go and stay a week and hit some amazing roads mm-hmm. and also check out the hotel. So it's, it's a really good location for that. Yeah. And you were talking about that and the, the footage is beautiful. I mean, it was a beautiful time of year that you were going through there. It was just so mm-hmm. nice looking and I don't know. I forget that there's uh, twisty mountain roads, um, you know, all over, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I should know being from Arkansas that there's not, there's more twisties than straights, <laughs> yes. but, uh, but yeah, just going back through the country, like that was so beautiful. So I, I also have to ask one thing I want to, you know, we're talking, uh, seasons one and two here. Mm-hmm. Josh was with you, your cameraman, Josh, he was mm-hmm. famously, uh, not a, hundred percent believer, but man, he was, he would get some of the action. And I think it was like a response to his, uh, indifference to it. All right. So unfortunately yes. this season, not, uh, and no spoiler alert, uh, you don't want to give anything away, but Josh isn't with you this time. And so the dynamic of the show, although it was a little different, it didn't diminue, you know, it's not diminutive. It didn't really take away anything. Um, but we sure miss Josh and I hope everything is going well with him. Um, but, also a lot of like he's like uh I know a lot of horror con I have a haunted I don't know if you can hear this but there's like some haunted landscapers outside right now that I hope they're not uh inf- interfering with my audio that much um <laughs> but um but yeah I noticed that a, a lot of the uh paracons and a lot of the horror cons and I think there's a big horror con going on right now that's all online everything had to switch mm-hmm. to online because of covid that's part of the reason Josh couldn't be there with you um yes. But what was it like for you? You, I saw your roster this year just looked like, you know, the on a, your Instagram feed, the writing was so small I could barely see it. You had back-to-back-to-back events. So how the heck did you keep up this summer despite being, um, you know, most everything getting canceled? How did you keep up with, with all this, this stuff and, and get so many appearances? Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, I have been going nonstop since the middle of August, and some of those since the end of August have been back to back up until this past weekend. And, um, but yeah, you are you are correct when when you mentioned that about about Josh. He was with me during seasons one and two, and uh, yeah, due to COVID, and then also. Um, he's had a lot of family obligations this past year 
that uh, he was helping his grandmother remodel her house. And he just didn't have the freedom to be able to, to travel, you know, this being a travel show and such. So he didn't have the freedom to be able to do that. And it, it changed the dynamic, but it didn't, you know, originally Ghost Biker was set up to, to be a, um, single filmed sort of thing. And it was actually going to be filmed more vlog style. And he was going to go to some of the different locations and, um, you know, or not locations, but some of the different locations early on and film some of the shots I couldn't get, but really set me up for success to film on my own. And when he went to the first location with me, um, it just worked out so well. And like I, like you had said, it, he sort of created this dynamic and this character that he was not a paranormal investigator. And it's really hard to be in some of these situations and be that fly on the wall videographer, you know, because the way we film, unlike some of the others, you know, some of them will just kind of film, you know, here's where we're at, here's the evidence. I film in a style that puts the audience in the moment with me. And Josh did an amazing job of doing that by following me along. And because a lot of the people who watch aren't necessarily paranormal enthusiasts, um, he created a character, which I, I call it a character, but I use those terms loosely because it was authentically him. Um, you know, he created a person that was easily identifiable with, with the audience because of them not being investigators. And so, um, you know, it was always kind of challenging for him to film. And then when something happened, because it always seemed like wherever we were, they liked to touch him, especially in the sunset Hill house and they liked to mess with him. And so, um, you know, the first time it happened, uh, in the very first episode, when, my dousing rods started moving and they started responding to questions. You know, he was, you know, wide eyed and, and very just, Oh my gosh. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to speak. I'll cut that out. But it was like, no, I actually really like that because it, it is amazing. And if, if you've not experienced it, um, it, it is something that is quite interesting how, a person reacts when they experience, you know, certain types of paranormal phenomenon, you know, and Mm -hmm. and some of it is actually even scientific based with, you know, the paralysis and that sort of thing, the way your body reacts. So we wanted to keep that in there and it actually worked out really good. Um, But yeah, this season due to the fact that he did have um, family uh, obligations and such, he wasn't able to go. And so I went back more to that style of either investigating solo or investigating with a silent camera person. And um, I'm glad to hear that it's, it's not been a change, you know, to, to the detriment of the show, but that, you know, it, it, it is different. Um, but because, you know, I find myself, it's, it's a challenge to investigate solo because, you know, you, when you do collaborate with someone or when you communicate with your camera person, you do have that back and forth dialogue. Whereas when I'm either investigating alone or not interacting with my camera person, 
I, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, I, I can't talk to anybody. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's nobody to bounce ideas off of or trust me. I, I have a robot in the studio since we, uh, I haven't been able to have any co-hosts in all season. Uh, that's basically what we've been relegated to is me talking to myself, talking to a piece of electronics that doesn't really talk back. So yeah, I mean, it's basically, uh, I get it and it does change the dynamic and it changes, Mm -hmm. uh, the way that the show, but it doesn't change the outcome or what it's about. So exactly. I, I totally get it. Exactly. And, you know, but with, you know, with the exception of the show changing and, and, you know, again, I feel like we put out some, some really good episodes this season, despite everything that's, you know, the changes we've gone through. And then also, you know, with the state of, of our, our society right now. Um, but what you're, you're, Exactly right. The the appearances though have I don't know if it's because people have they've had the opportunity to be able to go out and they're just ready to get out there. But right. um, I was traveling all over the uh, southeast here and then also up into um, I guess Ohio and Indiana are Midwest. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So traveling up in the southeast and the Midwest. Um, you know, other than a few different uh, paracons that have been canceled, all of the bike events have been going strong and people have been right. coming out, being so supportive, um, you know. And, and then what's interesting is it's actually created some some um, interesting opportunities because I've participated in a couple online paracons and they have been paracons with folks in England, Great Britain, and then also in Australia. So it's given me the opportunity, even though we've not been able to go out, I've been able to have this unique opportunity to reach a wider audience and talk to some of the different folks that I follow online and also be able to tell folks in other areas uh, what what I do with Ghost Biker Exploration. So it has created a couple unique opportunities with that. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, bikers will never pass up an opportunity to ride, especially when they're saying like social distance, the best social distancing is getting on your motorcycle and yes. getting away, getting, getting the hell away from everyone else. Right. Yes. Um, so yeah, the biker community I'm sure has, has been there to back you up. You've also been on the radio this year. You've been on like a bajillion more podcasts this year. Like you're, you're one busy lady and yes. you were actually busy this past weekend. And so, you know, we hooked, we got this, uh, interview set up for today, but you've just been going and going and going. Um, how do, how are, is your work going well? Is your obviously I like I said earlier I, I watched you remodel your house. Have you had any spare time to work and and have some you time, <laughs> or you, you just been on the go this whole this whole summer and fall? I've I've really been on the go. Um, you know I knew upfront that October was was going to be kind of crazy for me. Um, I. I actually could not have dreamed, you know, it would have been, been this crazy. You know, I started, (laughs) I put out the content, you know, because we, we were um, quarantined here uh, in our homes for a little while. And so I did something a little different. I I totally just remodeled my bathroom and kitchen and some of these, these uh, different areas in, in hopes, you know, that things would open up so that, so that I could travel. So that's where the, that ended up coming in. And then, um, I had, 
I've had some really cool, I don't know if it's because people have been at home, so they've had time to sort of really catch up and, and watch uh, the season, but I've had some opportunities to actually be on several different radio shows and um, was just this, this past week uh, featured in uh, Born to Ride magazine. They did a, a full article on ghost biker explorations and the drawings that I've been doing. So, um, yeah. you know, I would have, I would have never dreamed back when I was planning out ghost biker explorations and, and the episodes and stuff that it would, it would take off as well as it, it has. And each year it just seems to be gaining so much momentum. Um, this year I've from about August on, I have not had time to do much else other than <laughs> uh, work on episodes and, and right. travel to these different events. So things are going to slightly slow down. I'm hoping to take the month of November off from the paranormal, but also, you know, really try to pick up on, uh, on my work and such. Um, but there is definitely over the last little bit, not been very much downtime. <laughs> nice. I mean, that's good from, from one perspective and, and uh, you know, you do need some you time. So, um, I hope you get it. I, you know, you're only on your third year and I, you just seem to be growing and, uh, I can only imagine by like year five, you know, who knows where you're going to be. Hopefully, hopefully we'll, us little guys here will be able to keep in touch with you um, by that time. Um, but I love the behind the screams. I even, you know, like I said, it's, it was funny to see you doing your bathroom and, oh yeah, look at, you know, just some fun behind the scenes stuff. It gets, it lets us get to know you as a person outside of the, the paranormal stuff that you do, because that is, you know, that's your meat and potatoes with this whole mm-hmm. endeavor is the paranormal and the history. So it's just, it's a fun, it's fun to get to know you, uh, off, off screen too. So, I mean, I think that that was fun to see, but really, yeah, a couple more years of developing this, you know, I don't know, you may, you may have your own, uh, radio show or something, you know, and, um, who knows, who knows what you're going to have, but, um, I do, do you have any goals? I mean, are you just going to keep, you know, keep to the grind? Do you have anything? Um, do you have any new equipment that you're looking forward to or some, you know, uh, eventually, an ecto ah, shoot what was the guns that the uh, ghostbusters had the ecto oh, you know, the, ecto, the ectoplasm, ectoplasm. <laughs> yeah like is there anything crazy out there that you uh, don't have or that you've seen that you're thinking yeah man by by year 5 i should have this piece of equipment uh, a ghost camera or something i don't know you know still probably have something crazy by like that then but just is there any is there any goals or any anything that you uh, want to accomplish in like this next year or next couple of years yeah, so actually quite a few things. So I'm hoping, you know, 2021 is is going to be more open and because I've definitely got some some big plans for that. We've had a lot of people contact uh this past year did something a little different that I hadn't done in in other years. I did a haunted motorcycle ride where I mapped out it was 124 miles of um mountain roads. And I went and I found, I think I found about 15 different historic and haunted areas along this 124 mile ride and released a video talking about all the different places that we were riding through and the different stories. And so 2021, uh, we're hoping to actually have some more 
haunted motorcycle rides in different areas of the country. Cause that was, that would be fun. Right. That was very popular. We ended up having over a hundred bikes there and it ended with a bike night at a general store, um, which was really cool. Cause it was a very historic general store. It wasn't haunted, but very historic. So we're hoping to have that. And we're also hoping to have some opportunities uh, this past weekend. You had mentioned I had an event and it was uh, flashlight tours of the Henry river mill village. Um, and of course that was the episode I just released. So we did these historic and haunted, um, flashlight tours there. So we're actually hoping to have more opportunities for people to actually go on, uh, different investigations with us. The groups would definitely be small, but, uh, we're hoping to do more of that in 2021 and, yeah. you know, be making more announcements. Uh, I'm also, hoping to have more releases of either kind of personal type videos like what you had mentioned or also um, bike vlogs and different, you know, different pieces other than just the release of the episodes. You know, I find oh, yeah. again, October is, is always really busy. Um, but it, it, it always does better because, you know, you don't want to get forgotten about, throughout the year and you're sitting there, you're working hard on all these different places, but I need more of those touch points where I can uh, be in communication with uh, people that follow the show. So maybe a few things that aren't, aren't quite as long and detailed, like I said, more, more travel on the bike, um, more history and more personal stuff rather than, because you're right. I had a good response of that because I think people think I'm just this kind of serious uh, paranormal biker uh, that goes to these different places. But, you know, I have a uh, a much different side than that that people don't always see. And, and you kind of yeah. have to keep it light at times because, you know, we are dealing with death and tragedy and, and <laughs> right. stuff like that. Yeah. I don't see you doing paranormal stand-up, but I mean, maybe that's just something <laughs> you could venture off into, but definitely ride videos of the areas where you're in. They yeah. are so beautiful. I could see, you know, that is, uh, that's a good idea. I, um, and the Copper Road, I, you know, when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, what's this? You know, what's this new mm-hmm. little thing? I love hearing uh, about places um, from the Midwest to down south that are just mm-hmm. fun. You know, the Tale of the Dragon, who hasn't heard of that? But the exactly. Copper Road, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody, if everybody's heard about that. So Yeah, yeah the it, Copper it, it, Road, the, the Moonshiner. I mean, there's also copperhead road which you know the the song was written about right you know when i so, first when you first said that i thought of that i was like oh she talked about that steve earl song and then i i thought oh no you started talking about it a little more and i was like oh yeah no this isn't it but yeah it's not far good example. from there um, right okay it's not far at all and so um you know as bikers i mean we it's not always about the destination. It's about the ride, but we don't always know about these little towns that we're passing through or the different areas on the ride, you know? And so that's what I'm hoping to do more of in 2021, because, you know, when you have an episode that is 20 to 40 minutes long, um, something, you know, you kind of have to really condense things because we're at these locations for, six, 10, 12 hours. And so trying to get the travel in the history and then also the investigation can, can be a real challenge. And so I'm hoping 
that to go along with these I, because there's a lot that happens on the ride, you know, like what a lot of people don't know when I was there at Brushy Mountain and I was riding in, you know, it's right there at the Devil's Triangle. So I rode the Devil's Triangle in, which is a, you know, people have heard of the Tale of the Dragon, but the Devil's Triangle, I like it better, but it is a very dangerous and tricky road just because the road conditions are not always great. They've got broken uh, shoulders uh, that come up on you if you're not careful and switchbacks and hairpin curves and Dang, and that sounds like fun. <laughs> it's a whole lot of fun. And yeah. but you definitely, you know, and sometimes this place will be closed down because they'll have rock slides on it. But what a lot of people don't know when I was filming through there is that my throttle stuck. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. Yes. And so as I'm riding through. And so I'm filming, uh, with a GoPro and then I have a friend that's riding on her motorcycle behind me. And then sometimes in front of me and she's filming as well. And so we're filming on this, this really dangerous road. And in one of the straightaways, I, kind of let off the throttle, but my bike accelerates. It doesn't slow down. (laughs) And what it was, was it was the, uh, uh, cable that goes down the, for some reason, the plastic cover on it. Um, I don't know if it got stretched or what happened, but where it goes down in that hole was catching. And so the cable was going down, but the little plastic covering was catching and causing it to stick like and so holding it open. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And so as I start to go around these curves, I would stop every little bit and adjust that. And so, but if I would hit a bump, because you know, there were so many bumps and broken pavement, <laughs> right, right. it would come out and I wouldn't ever know it. And I remember cresting the top of the triangle and getting ready to head down. And, you know, one side is more just swooping curves. The other side, when you start to come down, I mean, there's no guardrail, so and there's no shoulder, and it's straight off drops, and then there the hairpin turns. Oh, my and God. I know right when I was coming up to one of those curves, I let off of my throttle, and it was stuck wide open. And so I would find that I would have to manually turn my, my throttle right. down. Right. and feather feather my clutch I'm, I'm surprised I still still had a hand by the time I came off there because I would have to go into clutch mode on the um switchbacks and I held my breath so much and of course I've got all of this on film on right. my GoPro and so I thought right. you know stuff like that is could be a pretty interesting watch you know yeah so I'm hoping next year to actually be able to talk more about the ride and, and not even just about me on this ride, but just the triangle itself has had so many different mining disasters. It's mm. got um, a haunted school along the way, just the stories that you can tell from, I mean, there's one little spot along that, that ride that I came into um, 
where the entire town, they had a mine explosion and it killed all of the men in the entire town except for three guys. Oh, wow. And, you know, so there's just a lot of that that I would really like to show the ride and then also be able to tell about some of those uh, interesting points of reference that a lot of people don't really know when they're on that. So I'm hoping that there's going to be more of that in 2021 as well. Right. And hopefully no Miranda hosting as a ghost after your throttle sticks open. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Miranda and I'll be your ghostly host for tonight. Um, yeah, no, that sounds really cool. That's a, that's fun. That's, that's awesome. And I, I, again, I look forward to finishing, um, you know, finishing the, uh, the mill episode and, and finally wrapping up with the, the last, I think, what do you have two episodes or you have one or two left? Uh, I've got right? one. I may release uh, a bonus. I'm waiting to see, you know, October this year was, was kind of strange because it, you know, cause it actually fell where there were only four Tuesdays in the month. Right. Um, the next one, the one that comes out tomorrow night it's actually, it's, you know, it wouldn't be a ghost biker season if there wasn't a darker location. And, uh, this location that I'll be covering is, um, it's known as the most evil house in America. You know, Mm. it's up for interpretation, but that's what it has the reputation of being. And, uh, it's in Indiana. It's, it's an interesting location. Um, it's, it's not as historic as a lot of the others. Well, all of the others that I've covered this season, but um, the darker locations, they do pique my interest just because, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has a different experience when they go to these different places. So um, I don't intentionally, you know, go to a bunch of evil, dark locations, but I am always fascinated fascinated with, with the stories behind it and the type of activity that different people get. And I'm always interested to see if the activity, because generally I'm a a positive, upbeat person. And so, um, you know, sometimes the intention that you go in with is the type of activity that you'll receive sometimes. And so I'm always interested in the darker ones if, you know, if I get the same type of activity as, as what's reported by some other people. Right. You just get like, go stand up and stuff. Cause they're like, Hey, we're not going to freak this lady out. Um, <laughs> that actually sounds pretty fun and actually pretty cool. So I look forward to that. And as usual, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night's episode, but, uh, by the time this goes out, uh, it'll be Friday already. So, uh, actually it'll be Saturday. We're going to release this on Halloween. So, nice. um, it will have already aired, but I tell you what, I will have probably already watched it. And if this episode doesn't get out, it's cause junkie died watching. <laughs> <laughs> I got scared to death. <laughs> so, but yeah, I am, I'm so excited and I'm glad that, um, I was able to touch base with you and have you on basically, uh, last year we got you a little early and this year we're going to be this is going to come out right on Halloween. So I'm awesome. so excited about it. Yeah. Yes, um, thank so, you. So yeah. Happy Halloween. Uh, and if we can let us know, I, I, I plan on buying some more ghost biker merch, um, for the winners of our spooky spokes episode this oh, year. Awesome. So yeah, after that comes out, we will, uh, determine a winner. I'll have some people help me pick. And, uh, we always, um, give some out. So last year I got a ghost biker hat 
um, mm-hmm. from you and, and, uh, the winner got that. So I think this year, again, um, if people do want to reach out and buy some of your merch and buy any of your artwork or anything like that, or ghost biker, if they don't win because they didn't submit and were losers, um, or just didn't tell, tell good enough of a ghost story, where can people go to get, um, some of your merchandise and, and, you know, some of the cool hats and tees and even some of the artwork that you have available. Yeah. So, so you can definitely go on and purchase any ghost biker merchandise, uh, whether it be hats, shirts, uh, sweatshirts, or any of the ghost biker drawings, those can be purchased on my website at www.ghostbikerexplorations.com. Sweet. And I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to post taste, uh, grab a hat. I forgot to grab one this year. I had grabbed them early last year. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. And I, you know what, there's lots of good art on there and I, I want to help you get your next crazy ectoplasm blaster. So <laughs> I may even get some stuff for myself throughout the year here, uh, to hang oh, awesome. up in our, in our, um, little studio spot here. So yeah, I, I don't know. Thank you so much for being on the show. You continue to inspire. Um, I, I could, I couldn't, you know, I have no knowledge of how to investigate stuff, but you've definitely inspired me to go around and visit some of the local historical places here that, you know, during the, uh, settlement of the West, both the Spanish and, uh, well, the natives, the Spanish and the, um, white settlers that came in here eventually, uh, kind of co-mingled in this area. And there's such a crazy, um, history here in Southern California that I'm excited to, uh, get out there mostly because of your show. So thank you so much for giving me the inspiration, Miranda. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you and, uh, yeah, I hope 2021, kick some major butt and I'm super excited to see uh, tomorrow's episode. Awesome. Well, thank you, junkie that, yeah, that, um, that I really appreciate hearing that because, you know, that's the full intention of ghost biker explorations is to inspire people to follow their passions and to get out and check out the history and different, uh, stories about, um, you know, the different locations. So hearing that really, really is wonderful. And uh, yeah, definitely go and check out the uh, Ghost Biker Explorations Facebook page and YouTube channel um, Mm -hmm. for new content because there will be content throughout the year. And if anyone, uh, you know, like I said, wants any merch or anything, that will be constantly updated with uh, new drawings and and new merchandise throughout the year. And that's what funds the series. So thank you. Yep. Yeah. Heck yeah. So go check that stuff out. And, uh, if you watch, get out, get inspired, go ride and get yourself a sweet spooky spoke, uh, entry for next year. So yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much. And, uh, I will talk to you later and good ghosting. Thank you, Jackie. (laughs) Bye. Bye. everybody that was miranda young ghost biker explorations check it out and uh, go check her out in person if you get a chance remember uh, ghosting happens 
all year round. Tobor, was that you? Um, so here we are. Here is year five of Spooky Spokes. Um, as with every year, something crazy happens every year uh, that I've put the show on. Uh, was it the second year? I think second year. Uh, my bike almost fell apart um, after riding down a dirt road. Uh, yeah, almost shook Spamel to pieces. Um, going out to ha- uh, uh, ride a haunted road out in uh, rural San Diego. I wouldn't say rural, but East County San Diego. Um, the another year, I think it was last year, the year before, like crazy knocking sounds were happening here in the uh, studio, and I could not account for them. Um, one year, the audio almost went dead. This year, my charger uh, for the laptop that I used to edit on, of all things, died. The charger, right? And so, and literally, it was dying as I was in that um, recording session with Miranda. I thought it was as good as dead. I was like, what the heck is happening here? And I realized the charger was going out as I'm talking to Miranda, of all people, right? She has spooky stuff happen to her all the time, uh, electronic phenomenon, and this year was no different. The charger literally, my laptop's going dead. I can see that it's at 5%. It says it's we're going to go to sleep right now, and this is 15 minutes into our interview. Or no, 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 five. five or f- yeah, somewhere between 5 and 15 minutes in, into the interview, and my laptop's is dying. It's like, we're going to go to sleep. Uh, if you don't connect it to power and it was plugged in, I'm going, what's going on? What's going on? Well, I had to sit there and hold the cord and the light miraculously came on and I had to sit there in that position for the entirety of the interview. I did not want to let it go because um, after we finished our uh, call and recording and I let go of the cord, it never came back. I had to buy some cheap uh, replacement on Amazon that's probably going to last about three months and then die as well, but at least it got me through uh, the recording. So yeah, just weird stuff happens every year. This year, not as freaky as sounds or your bike rattling apart on a haunted road uh, out in the outskirts of San Diego or um, weird knocking sounds and things like that, but um, you know, still something nonetheless. So this year, uh, again, um, the guy who has submitted a spooky spoke every year, some of the some of the fun ones uh, when he was attacked by uh, a werewolf or whatever, uh, they haven't determined yet what the beast of Bray Road is. I don't think they haven't found DNA samples or any of that great stuff. But uh, Chris Singsheim this year, something spooky happened to him. He was uh, it turned in Wisconsin um, this last week, and uh, I knew we would have some late entries and, and all that. People come rushing to get out to do spooky spoke and turn it in like the night of, you know, the deadline happens every year. Well, Chris Singsheim went out to um, to go to spooky, you know, go out on a spooky ride. And uh, apparently he was walking out the back door of the shop and he, oh, forgot something. I forget exactly what the circumstances were, but he was coming back in and he tripped over a spool. He, you know, the, the lights were off. Everything's dark. He tripped over a spool of uh, hose or wire or something like that and uh, and fell and put his hand out to catch himself and it slid down the edge of a uh, uh, truck bumper. If you don't know, he does uh, fabrication and restoration um, and welding and all that stuff of big, heavy uh, dump trucks and commercial trailers and stuff like that. So we're talking about a lot of metal, a lot of be- uh, bare edges and a lot of scary stuff. This is this was literally like an episode of the Final Destination show uh, movies um, waiting to happen. That could have been his neck that slid down that thing and then he's laying there in a puddle of his own blood with, you know, 
watching the light slowly fade away as he can't call anybody because he's going unconscious. Luckily, it was just his hand. Unfortunately, he's a drag racer and he is a dual sport rider. And I think it was his, uh, let me think, I have um, photographic memory, so I should be able to remember. I think it was his left hand that he sliced. So unfortunately, that's his clutch hand. Um, so if you're down, uh, luckily drag race season's over. Like I said, it's been really, uh, cold looking. And I think some people have posted some pics of some snow already. So I don't think he was going to go out riding too much, but still unfortunate that, uh, uh, his hand got sliced. The one that he needs to drop that clutch, um, and basically take off. We hope you get better, Mr. Singsime. And, um, yeah. So now let's move on to this year's. Spooky Spikes. Are you ready for it? No special sound effects. That's okay. That's okay. We don't we don't need no hijinks. Let's get right into it. Let me set the tone. Take a deep breath. Everybody, turn off the lights. Take a hit of acid so that you feel like you're there. Eat a magic mushroom. Smoke some ganja. Whatever you're going to do. Whatever gets you in the mood. This just became the Joe Rogan podcast, by the way. All right, here we are. It's dark. Just terrible sound effects, Tobor. That's me. I need you to be doing this. We don't have any wind sound effects on oh, our other soundboard. Okay, fine. All right. So this one comes to us from Rob T down in San Diego. And uh, this is a pretty good one. I know the area he's talking about, and it's pretty creepy. And so this is perfect. All right, ready? And scene. This past Saturday night, I rode out to San Pasqual Valley for my Spooky Spokes camp out. It's the site of the bloodiest battle on horseback in the Mexican-American War. I hope that this historical site would be a good candidate for a spooky campout. I arrived just before sundown on Saturday night to avoid any official entanglements as the state park is technically closed, and I was able to select a spot before full dark, but I had to set up the tent in the dark. This led to a bit of surprise once I had my tent set up and realized how dark it had gotten around me. I found a decent place to sit still and let the night come alive as it got used to my presence here. Lots of strange rustling in the bushes, bat screeches, hooting owls. That was my soundtrack to go to sleep after watching the stars come out. I was woken up in the middle of the night by what at first sounded like screams in my dream, but turned out to be coyotes further down the valley celebrating a kill and subsequent fight over it. I shook off that fright and tried to get back to sleep. I was later woken up at 4.45 a.m., and this time I was unable to get back to sleep. I decided to try to observe the meteor shower that is appearing nightly until later this month, and I dragged my sleeping bag out into the clearing and watched the last of the meteors before the sun slowly came up. It was getting pretty cold at this point, so I hiked up the small trail to get a better view of the sunrise over the valley. And after that, I hiked down, packed up my camp, and quietly rolled out of the park. I had a great time. Thanks for the inspiration to do a spooky camp out. Hopefully, I'll get to do it again next year. Rob in San Diego. And Rob sent me some pictures of his uh, spooky spoke. I'm going to post them up on creative-writing.com, and uh, I'll try to do that this weekend. But yeah, San, San Pasqual Valley is in, uh, in well, I would say northern San Diego County, um, and it, it's pretty quiet out there. I believe, is it San Pasqual? I think San Pasqual is where the uh, Wild Animal Safari Park is. 
um, if you're familiar with that. So yes, it's, it's very, there's a lot of rural stuff out there. Um, and then, yeah, sounds like he had a really good time out there at the state park. I, I, you know, didn't spend much time in that part of the San Diego when I lived down there. So I'm not hundred percent sure, uh, what else is around there, but I do know that that area is very historic. Um, also very, uh, quiet at night and dark as all get out. You don't have a whole lot of light pollution like you do in the rest of the cities. So I can only imagine how fun that was. And, uh, Rob, I'm super glad that you picked a historical area. As you know, I love spooky spokes partially for the history of them. And listening to Miranda, you can tell that every good ghost story has a good history and story behind it. So that's really cool. The the bloodiest uh, battle in the Mexican-American War. Go look that up, the Mexican-American War, and go look up San Pasqual Valley. And like I said, I'll post these pics up on our blog, and maybe I'll even put uh, Rob's words up here. But, yep, that wraps up Spooky Spokes. Year five, everybody. Um, decide your best one and vote. Wait, what? Yeah, that's right. You heard me. <laughs> the best one. Rob's it this year. And um, so I guess I, it makes picking the winner for the prizes pretty easy. Um, patrons, we will uh, we'll pick you out of a hat and uh, draw. And as you know, being a patron enters you into Spooky Spokes, a chance to win. And if you submit a Spooky Spoke, that means you get a, two chances to win. Um, but I will be drawing a patron, and we'll announce the winners on next week's show. Thank you, everybody for listening. I hope you're getting your drink on. I hope you look good in that costume. Um, and I hope that, uh, next year we have a really big thing in store for, uh, this time of year. All right, everybody. Thank you, Rob, so much for your, uh, contribution to this year's Spooky Spoke. Thank you, Miranda, so much for all that you do, um, and keeping writing, uh, spooky. Everybody, peace and grace.